Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. All right. Well, thanks for the introduction, Nathan. Uh, My name is Joel Schwann. I'm an elder here at City Alliance Church. I'm excited to wrap up the Red Letter Challenge with you guys this morning. But before we do, can we welcome those that are watching online on Facebook? Welcome, guys. As well as, I just want to welcome you guys. Thanks for being here this morning as we wrap up. Um, So I want to take a minute just to introduce my family. You probably know them, but here's a picture. I feel like it's the obligatory thing you got to do. So I'm showing a picture of my family. This is us on our uh, vacation that we went on this summer. So uh, my wife, Jen, that you've maybe seen as well up here, helping with worship at different times. Myself as an elder. We have four kids, TJ, Abby, Eli, and our latest addition, uh, a girl named Hope. So um, we're excited. And one of the reasons why Nathan did ask me to share with, about this particular topic is because of our vocation. So we work with CREW, which is a campus ministry here locally in the scope that we call the Susquehanna Valley. And so um, there's a little map. I actually drew this map. I think I need a new map, if I'm honest with you. I drew this like when I was coming to this area when we moved here in the summer of 2014. But uh, these are roads and cities and campuses, just for me to wrap my mind around like, what is our scope? Who are we trying to reach? Um, but if you, you know, we're sort of headquartered here in Williamsport, if you draw an hour drive time radius around Williamsport, those are the schools that kind of fit in the Susquehanna Valley scope. So we work at Penn College and Lycoming College right here in town, but we also commute out to Bloomsburg, to Misericordia. In our scope is Mansfield north of us, Bucknell and Susquehanna south of us. I need a new map because Misericordia is not on here. Um, it's a little further outside of an hour as well. But some of the things we do is we have weekly meetings for our college students. We have speakers that come um, as well as worship, uh, all those kind of things. We have fellowship together. We do Bible studies, we offer one-on-one discipleship and mentoring of students, and we help them to share their faith with those, those around them, their classmates, their roommates. Um, and so we also have a, a schedule throughout the year of retreats and conferences that we do with CREW. We have our fall retreat that's really a connecting time. We have a winter conference. And one of my favorite things actually that we do during the school year is that we send students on uh, spring break trips internationally. So the past few years, uh, when we're, a- we're able, as far as COVID restrictions, we've spent, sent students to Puerto Rico and to a country in the Middle East um, over their spring break. So Crew's slogan within the Susquehanna Valley, if you want to go there, uh, is this, is that Crew is a community where the gospel does three things. It captivates hearts, it transforms lives, and it launches men and women into a lifelong adventure with Jesus. A simpler way of saying what we're, we're trusting God for with college students we want to win students to Christ, we want to build them up in their faith, and we want to send them out to do the same. And so for me, there's a really strategic nature when it comes to reaching college students for Christ. Bill Bright, the founder of Crew, used to say, if you can reach the campus today, you can reach the world tomorrow, knowing that the generation that we're raising up, the youth of today, are the people of influence in the time to come, the future. And so, if we can reach them with the gospel now, what sort of impact might we have as we do that in the future? I think, right, that City Alliance Church, just because of our geography, 
is uniquely positioned to help reach Penn College, Lycoming College, two schools right in our own city. And if you have a heart for reaching college students in particular, if you would want to hear more about that, I'd love to chat with you about that and figure out ways that you could help the crew ministry partner together. Um, so I'd be very open. Catch me after the service or at some point. I'd love to chat with you about that. But really, as we close up the, the Red Letter Challenge today, the thing I want to highlight, uh, why I shared our slogan, why I shared about when builds send, is really to highlight that last one, being sent. So it's really just a different way of saying what it is that we, we want to say and talk about this, this last week of going, that Jesus calls us to go, or Jesus sends us. And so um, I want to share a picture. This is where I've been doing my devotionals. It's my coffee table uh, in, in my living room. I can't quite see it, but it says Rad Dad. That's my favorite coffee mug that I got. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying the devotionals and the challenges that as we're being called to obey the, the words of Jesus, getting time to focus on those particular words and putting them in these categories of like, what are the different things that, that Jesus called us to do? So if you remember, we talked about being, just being in the gospel, being in God's presence. We talked about forgiving. We talked about serving and giving of our tithes and our offerings of what it is that we have to offer as well as this morning we're going to talk about going. And so I want to dive right in. What does it mean to go? What does it mean for us to be sent out? So I think simply what this means is that as we experience the good news of the gospel in our own lives and its implications on us, that we would be living intentionally, sharing that good news with those that are right around us. That we would live intentionally for the advancement of God's kingdom here on this earth. So I mentioned one of those spring break trips where we go to, uh, I, I didn't say the country because we go to a country in the Middle East that's really closed. Um, we're there, we're not advertising that we're in that particular place just for the longevity of the ministry, for the safety of the staff members that work in that particular country. Um, but I was talking the last time I was there with one of the staff members who works and ministers in that country to his countrymen. I'll never forget one of the things that he said to me. He said, if you're a Christian and you're not sharing the good news, do you really believe the good news? And for me, I was like, oh, conviction. <laughs> but to be honest, I'm sharing that this morning not so much for it to be conviction necessarily for us, but more that to highlight this, this idea that the good news really is good news that there's an ordering to the good news and going, that first we're supposed to understand what it really truly means for, the, for Jesus to have forgiven us of our sins, for restoration to be a part of our new life, that Jesus wants us to live an abundant life. And so I want to talk about that this morning. The gospel really begins by being captivated by the gospel ourselves. Going begins by being captivated with the gospel. So it's not until we understand both in our, in our minds, in our hearts, and experience it that way, that our motives begin to shift of like, not I have to do this, I have to go, I have to share with my friends, but rather, I want to do that. The problem is, is that we, like the Israelites of the Old Testament, we suffer, suffer I think, at times from spiritual amnesia. We forget. We forget. We need to be reminded 
about what's true of us, what's true of God, what he's done for us. And so, really quickly, I want to share with you the gospel message. What is this good news that God has called us to? Simply it's this, that God loves you, he created you, he has a plan for your life. However, we are sinful, and that separates us from God. That as a holy being, God can't have fellowship and relationship with those that are not like him, perfect, holy, sinless. And God knew that. And therefore, Jesus becomes our only provision, that, that God the Father sent Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that we could never live and to die on, our, on, on a cross on our behalf, that he would experience the judgment that we were supposed to receive through our sinfulness. And instead, he takes that on himself and he offers us his perfect record. And it's not enough, again, just to know this in our minds, but that we need to individually receive that for ourselves. That we respond to hearing with faith. And then those implications are applied to our lives. And so, now that we understand the gospel, right, when we start to understand this go the gospel, one of the amazing things is that there's nothing now that separates us any longer from God. Our sin is no longer a barrier. And in fact, we are beloved sons and daughters now of the king. That we are fully known before him and fully accepted. If you uh, have never heard the gospel message before, or if this is maybe the hundredth time that you've heard it, but you would want to respond right now in faith, I think it's as simple as this. ABC, so that you would admit that you're a sinner, that you would believe in Jesus, and that you would commit to follow him. And if you want to do that right now, or are doing that right now in your own heart, in your own mind, I would encourage you to text Start My Journey to, 20, to uh, 97000 or 97000, because we as a church, we would love to follow up with you. We would love to hear your story about what God did, how he inter intersected you as you're on this journey along with him, um, and, and really to get to know you and help you with next steps as you begin this faith journey with the Lord. And so, what is it, uh, or once we know that we are accepted for ourselves, what does Jesus want us to do? What does God want us to do? He wants us to go. He wants us to embrace the fact that we are sinners. So I want to look at um, some particular words of Jesus at the very end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This passage is sometimes called the Great Commission. Some of Jesus' last words to his disciples that he speaks here at the end of Matthew. He says this, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so we see this command right here in the middle, starting in verse 19. And I've highlighted here some of the action words, right? The verbs. It wasn't like great at English, but I can pick out the verbs, right? This is what Jesus wants us to do. He says, to go, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them. As I think about Jesus' ministry, right, really what he did is he spent time hanging out, doing life with 12 particular people. His life was more than that, his ministry was more than that, but if you had to condense it down, I think his ministry was about doing life with these 12 disciples. And I think here, what Jesus is asking his disciples to do is like, 
do the same thing that I did with you. Like, you don't have to, like, be brilliant, make up your own lesson plans, polish these things up, figure out how you're going to say these things. No, just do what I did with you, with others. Open your mouth, speak the words that I taught you, do life with people, help others to grow, make disciples that in turn are going to make more disciples. That's the command. That's what going, I think, can look like for us. And I don't know if you noticed, but this is right here in the middle, but before there's an incredible truth and a promise that kind of make a, I don't know, a truth, promise, command, a sandwich here, um, a sandwich for you to eat this morning. Um, but this truth, right, an amazing truth that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This promise that, and behold, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I think, guys, when we think about going, when we go, one thing for us to remember is that God goes before us and he comes along with us. All authority has been given to God. Any place that you decide to go, share your faith, be a representative, a witness for him, he is already there. And he said, I'm going to come with you as you go. Right? It helps distill some of my fears as I think about going and some of the uncomfortability that comes up in my brain. I'm like, what's that going to look like? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And the scope here, guys, of, of where we're supposed to go God is telling his disciples to go to all nations. Going involves telling everyone about the good news of Jesus. What's incredible, I think, is that in this statement, whether we realize it or not, Jesus is giving us purpose. The greatest cause that we could ever be a part of is that of helping to reach people and help to be about the salvation of the men and women's souls around us. That we would be about building God's kingdom, the restoration of all things. That he gives us a good work to be a part of as we're reconciled to him in our relationship. That we would turn around and be reconcilers to others. That he would use us to bring redemption. That God's kingdom would be acted out in Williamsport as it is in heaven. But it's going to involve our obedience. It's going to involve taking steps of faith for us to be able to do that. It's going to involve taking risks at times, and it's going to involve, for sure, being uncomfortable sometimes. Going sometimes means, it necessarily means that we're going to be uncomfortable, but we're going to have to step out in faith and trust God to do something. And I know when I think about my own fears, I have all sorts of different fears. Fear of man, like how might this, you know, change my relationship with someone if I begin to talk about Jesus? What's that going to look like? What am I going to say? What am I going to do um, as I try to help someone along their spiritual journey towards Christ? But you might think, as you think about the scope of we're supposed to go to all nations, okay, but where should we start? Right? This need that God has called us to seems overwhelming. So I want to look at another uh, set of Jesus' words in Acts chapter 1, specifically in verse 8. And these are uh, literally Jesus' last words. It says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the question is, where do we start? I think an answer that we can pull from here is start where you are. Right? Look around you. 
who has God already placed in your life? Who is close to you proximity-wise? But also who is like you, maybe culturally, who's familiar to you? So think about your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. And ask, am I engaging with them about the good news of Jesus? So why is it that I think we can answer that question of like, all right, start with those around you. So a little context here, as Jesus is talking to his Jewish disciples um, near Jerusalem, the geography of that place would be very close to Jerusalem, as well as the Jewish people that would be living in Jerusalem would be very similar to them, that they would be familiar, similar culturally, that they would view the world in a similar way. And then as we move out, it's like, okay, Judea, all right, a little bit further, but also like a Jewish place, that makes sense. Samaria, ooh, Samaria, that's, that's a little bit interesting, right? Because if you think about the parable of the Good Samaritan, part of what's so shocking about that parable is that Samaritans and Jewish people at that time really would have been enemies. That Samaritans in, in the Jewish people's eyes would have been second-class citizens, those that have sort of strayed away from the God of Israel, and so there would be judgment upon them. And this is where I think this familiarity piece comes in. We're moving sort of in concentric rings out, like start here, but also go out, start here, but also start to reach people that aren't like you. And then it escalates very quickly, right, to the end of the age, or, or not to the end of the age, to the ends of the earth, that we're supposed to go out everywhere. Again, we see that idea that we're supposed to reach everyone, that the church is supposed to be about every last single person, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation being able to hear the good news about Jesus. So as I think about um, one of the highlights of the past several years um, of ministry with crew, uh, I want to share this story about a, a girl named Sarah Dietrich who uh, recently uh, graduated from Penn College, and she really embraced her call to be sent or really embraced this idea of going, that God called her to go. And she started right where she was. And so uh, she had these roommates that she knew didn't believe in Jesus. She had classmates that she knew didn't believe in Jesus. And what she started to do was to pray for them. She started to pray for them. God put specific people on, on her heart to reach out to, started to invite them to crew, invite them to church, invite them to the things that she was doing already. Then she would, you know, share a little bit about her faith. I think her friends began to realize, hey, there's something different about this Sarah girl. She would invite crew staff members to come witness to her, talk to her about spiritual things, ask them questions, um, listen well. And wouldn't you know, over the course of her time in college, that two of her roommates came to faith in Christ, that they were transferred from the kingdom of darkness, we know, like their eternal state had changed from being judged, from being under condemnation and being an enemy of God, to being a friend, a son, a daughter, I guess not a son, because they're both girls, but daughters of the Lord, right? Um, Sarah started, she embraced this idea of going, and she started with those that are right around them. And so we're all on this spiritual journey, right? We know that this for ourselves, but also the people right around us are on a spiritual journey. It's like, where can we intersect people with the good news of Jesus exactly where they are? We can start with those right around us. I know it's exciting at times to hear of people taking that last step right, of coming to faith in Jesus. And sometimes I think we really highlight that of like, oh yeah, like it's amazing what God did there. And it is amazing. However, I just want to give us a little perspective. Usually that is 
the exception, not the rule, not that Jesus doesn't call people, but people, as they're on this journey, they're going to take one step from here to here, from here to here, from here to here, and then eventually meet Christ, right? Like, there's going to need, we're going to need to be patient and, you know, exercise perseverance as we share the good news with those around them. We want to see this one, I think, people coming to Christ, but we need to be uh, obedient to continue to walk people as they're on this journey. So what does God want us to do? He wants us to share about him. I think he wants us, actually, at times, to share our stories with those around us. So there's an, imp- an importance, I think, of our own testimony that our testimonies is one of the most powerful things that God can use to share and bear witness to him. Really, the bottom line is that sharing our testimony or our story is an easy way to embrace going. As we think about the people around us that need to hear about him, one of the things we can do is share our story with him. So I know that this week in the Red Letter Challenge, you're going to be challenged to uh, prepare your own testimony and then go and share it with someone. So I just want to give you a heads up. That's on the way if you're going, going through the Red Letter Challenge. And also, I want to give you a little bit of a leg up in your preparation. So, first off, a testimony, I think, you know, it's a very churchy word. Uh, and uh, I think sometimes we think of it only as that story of our, our own coming to this last step of faith, like coming to know Jesus. But I want to expand that out a little bit more. I think a testimony can be any story where we see God working in our lives, right? It's not just that last piece. I know some of us might be thinking like, ah, I grew up in the church. My, my testimony is not all that exciting. I just accepted Jesus somewhere along the way. And yet, we have this continual process of being sanctified. I think we can bear witness to that as well as we think about our own stories. Remember that Jesus, that God is about bringing dead things to life. Both those that are dead in sin to life in Jesus, but also the dead things in our lives back to life to restore us, to fix us. Um, as we're broken people. So one of the things that I think is so amazing about God's kingdom is that Jesus uses our weaknesses, our frailties, to be some of the greatest testaments to his work. And some of the ways that his love, his power, his grace is unleashed upon his people. So there's, a, I don't know if you've thought about this, but there's a theme in scripture That God doesn't just use the best, the brightest, those that are the most put together to do his will. Rather, very often, he uses the broken, the weak, the lowly, the marginalized to shame the strong and to bring glory to himself. It's almost as if he's like, oh, who would you last think is going to be one of God's people and do something amazing for God? I'll use that person. Because it shows that he is powerful. It shows that he's the one behind it all. And so undoubtedly you're going to experience some different uncomfortabilities and fears as we think about things. And you might be like, you're asking me, Jesus is asking me to go to share my story, to share the good news. But how could that be right? Like my life is a mess. My life is broken. Well, if that's you this morning, I want to just say, hey, you're in good company. Um, If you, you know, if you've been around this church for a while, you might look around and be like, oh, but it doesn't seem like other people are like messy or broken. And I just want to say, hey, maybe we're a little bit better at hiding it than others. 
or maybe you just haven't known us long enough because it's there. God knows our messiness. He knows our brokenness. And, and despite that, and even because of that, he wants to use us and wants to use our testimony. So let me just walk through, as you think about your own testimony, really just three categories. I want you to think about your life before Christ, if you're talking about your salvation story, or your life before God did the work in a specific area. I want you to think about how Christ came into your life, if you're sharing your testimony of coming to faith, or what it looked like for God's solution to be applied to your life. And then what was the transformation? What was the change? What was different about your life after? What was different about your life after when God's solution came into it? Um, just to think about those things. Any good story is going to have a, like a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that's what I think needs to be a part of a testimony. So I want to share, just in this, an example, my own testimony. Um, it's not about coming to faith, but more rather against the, in that second category of um, something that God did in my own life. So... For me, over my life, I realized that I have a tendency to be performance-driven, that I'll find my sense of identity and self-worth based on the things that I do. So whether it was growing up school or sports or, you know, as an adult, public speaking or trying to earn applause, those are the things I was looking for to find my, my sense of self. When I perform well, things are great. Like my ego is stroked. I feel good about life. I'm ready for the next thing. When things don't go well, I would question my own self-worth. I would question and even experience hurt and loss, I would say, pain and begin to cope with that pain. I go through these cycles of again and again of being up if I like did well, being down if I didn't do so well, but I would never feel fully secure with who I really am. I would be insecure about my identity as a person. I came to, to faith at a very young age through my church, being raised in the church. Um, however, that same tendency to perform was applied to my spiritual life as well. And so for me, walking with the Lord meant trying hard, doing my best, trying to root out sin, trying to do what I thought, thought God wanted me to do. But inevitably, in my spiritual walk, I would fail as well. And then I'd begin to question what does God think of me? Does he love me? Does he even like me? I keep failing again and again. How could he like someone who continues to fail like me? Eventually, though, I began to realize the truth that my own standing before God has nothing to do with my own performance. That it doesn't matter how well I keep the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter how well I do the things that I think he wants me to do. Rather, it relies, my standing on him, relies solely on what Jesus has done for me, that his perfect and sinless life has been applied to me through the cross. Jesus now looks at me only with affection, only as his son, his beloved son. Part of how I've experienced this, honestly, is the season that God has us in with our kids, being a father of four kids, and even though there's times when my kids get on my last nerve, there's times when I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with you. I don't know why you're crying. I don't know why you're upset. I know that my love for my kids will never fail. I know that my standing before them will never change. Like, I'm never going to want to disown my kids. And that's been a reflection for me of what's true of me before God. 
and he accepts me. He loves me, even when I do the dumbest things again and again. He loves me. And now, as I think about performance, as I think about, you know, well, I just want to say, there's still times when I fall back into that performance mode. I'm trying to, you know, justify myself by the things that I do. But in those times, God's faithfully reminded me, like, what's true, that I can finally rest in him, in my identity in him. I no longer need to earn God's favor. I don't need to base my identity off of what I do. And really, a, a verse that comes to mind is that, uh, is, comes from John. But to all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. So, I'm his child. This is my testimony of what God's done in my own life. Now, for a moment, I want to go back to Acts 1.8. I don't want to miss one point. I want to make about going from that, that particular uh, verse. And it's this, that we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I had this realization as I was, you know, going through the devotionals and, and doing the Red Letter Challenge that we're categorizing Jesus' words in these different categories. Being, forgiving, serving, giving, going. And I came to realize, like, not only did Jesus say these things, but he is the best example we have for each of these things. Right, that before Jesus did any ministry, a voice from heaven came down and said, you are my son with, with whom I'm well pleased. There's nothing that he did to earn his status before God. That he is the prime forgiver of our sins. That he's a part of that re restoration plan for us. That he came down to this earth to serve others. That he gave of his life. He gave his own will. He surrendered himself so that we could have new life. And finally, that he is the best goer that we know, that he left heaven to come down to earth to be a part of God's plan of redemption. And that same person, that same model we have in us through the Holy Spirit, Christ in us as we go. Jesus said, I'm going to be with you always. I think that's the fulfillment of this, is that he sends us his Holy Spirit so that when we think, oh, I don't have the words, I don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit can empower and speak through us. So, I want to close by looking at one more set of Jesus' words. They come from Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, I, I feel like this, this passage begs the question, like, why are the laborers few? Is it because there's a lack of his followers? Is it because there's a lack of Christians and believers? I don't actually think that's why. I think it's because there's a lack of obedience. And right here, I need to like, if there were a giant mirror right here, that would be great. Because these are words that I need to hear, conviction that I need to feel. Because at times, I'm like, I would rather do anything else than talk about Jesus with those around me. That I have a lack of obedience when it comes to sharing the good news with others. So I want to consider for a moment, what are the next steps for us, for me, as we think about embracing in our own lives this idea of going? So maybe part of what God wants to do this week in your life is he wants to call you into a closer relationship with you. He wants to work in your own spiritual journey. So some questions along those lines. 
do you need to spend some time being reminded of the gospel in your own heart and mind? What's that going to look like, do you think, for you this week? Do you need to recommit yourself to the Lord? Do you need to surrender control back over to him and, and give him control of your life? Or maybe he actually is going to use you to help someone move in their spiritual journey closer to him. So, some questions along those lines. Do you need to spend some time thinking about who's close to you, who's right next door, who God has already placed in your life, that he's nudging you to reach out to? Maybe you need to spend time preparing your testimony, thinking about your story, being reminded through your testimony of the gospel in your own life so that you're motivated to want to go. Maybe you need to pray and begin to pray for those around you and for opportunities to share. Or maybe you need to start to work through the fears that you feel that are associated with going. There are barriers between us, right? There are barriers, very real barriers at times, but also, I think, barriers that we imagine when we think about going and embracing that call. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you with this as we close, that we could be the answer to Jesus' prayer in Luke 10, that we could be the laborers that God sends out. The question really remains is, will we? Will we embrace that call? Will we be obedient to it? Will we embrace going in our lives? Let me pray as we close up our time. Dear Lord, uh, we are just so thankful for your gospel for us. As I shared about my own heart and life and my desire to want to uh, justify even my existence, I would say, by the things that I do, I'm so thankful that your gospel speaks to me in that directly. Lord, and I pray for those in this room that if there is a different root lie or thing that's going on that's broken in people's lives, that today, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your truth in their lives so that they can experience afresh the gospel message, the good news, like actually that it is good news in their lives and that they would turn around and praise you for it. Lord, and for those of us that maybe just needed a, a little prompt or nudge, to go and to take a step towards someone. Lord, would you give us great wisdom in that? Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you come along with us, that you empower us as we go. Would you give us the words to say? Even in the moment, Lord, would you show us what it is that you want us to do? Lord, we're so thankful for your good news. Would it prompt us to go? We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.